Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll have to be honest with you. Um, He makes me sound a lot better than I really am. Um, I have to agree with the last song we sang, To God Be the Glory. Amen. For everything good, for everything that's ever been accomplished, to God be the glory. We know it's all because of Him, don't we? But I just count it an honor. Thank you so much, Bishop, for letting me come. It means a lot that uh, you would uh, trust Bishop Amos. <laughs> I'll tell him that. But um, <laughs> it means a lot that you would let me come and be a part of what's happening here in Oklahoma. Um, I'm just so thankful to uh, get to. I hear about Oklahoma all the time with the IPHC. I have the opportunity to preach. Uh, I really don't know where it's at. It's just somewhere in Oklahoma. I fly, they pick me up, I go. And so, um, but that's the only time that I've ever been to Oklahoma to minister. But I've heard so much about uh, this state with your denomination and what God is doing. And so it's exciting just to get to be a part of this camp meeting. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 16. And while you're turning there, I, uh, I'll just talk for a moment. Luke chapter 16, I want to begin in verse 19 is where we'll look today. Um, And unfortunately, I've gotten a little bit of age on me, so uh, the fact that Sherry did kind of give out my age, uh, I I guess it's okay to put these little glasses on. Uh, This is a brand new thing for me. It's the weirdest thing. I've never had glasses in my life except sunglasses, and so now I'm having to get used to pulling these things off and on. It looks like some of you may understand what I'm dealing with, but it's the most frustrating thing I've ever had to deal with in my life, but I'll, I'll lay them down for right now. Uh, but I just want to uh, just take a minute. I think the hardest part for me going somewhere new is uh, knowing that you're doing exactly what I would be doing to you if you were standing in my place. I would be sizing you up. I'd be trying to figure out uh, a little bit about you and am I going to really like them after all? And and did Bishop make a, a mistake? And uh, and I try to be uh, figuring all of that out. So while you're doing that, I'm just going to give you a few minutes to get that over with uh, because when we start preaching, I'd rather just get right into the message, right? And so let me just um, kind to give you a little bit of a background. I've not been married for long, only actually June the 29th is four years. So I just, uh, we've just passed our four year mark. And so if you're trying to figure out how old I am and then how old I was when we got married, just trust me, it was way past due. I mean, I thought, Lord, please. Um, I, I started wondering if the Lord had forgotten me. And, uh, and just before I crossed the desperate line, uh, thank the Lord, the Lord sent me a husband and I'm so grateful. Uh, if he was here, I would say the Lord sent him a wife, but since he's not, I'll just tell you the truth. I'm, he's a gift from the Lord to me and I'm so grateful. We met in um, we met in Beijing, China, of all places. We were on a mission trip, and um, and none of us met on that mission trip until we actually got into Beijing. And and um, it's a lot funnier when he's here because I can kind of beef it up a little bit. But here's the truth: we got there. Uh, both of us are single. If any of you've been single for any length of time, you understand exactly how that would be. It was very miserable because we were the only two single people on that trip, as far as I can recall, and uh, immediately they tried to match make, you know how people are, and um, and we uh, decided right off that we were just not each other's type, and so um, let me see, it was um, seven years later, 
Seven years later, the Lord brought us together. That's just like the Lord, isn't it? That sounds almost like a biblical story, doesn't it? Amen. I won't go into that. But anyway, um, so I'm very thankful. Uh, thankful to the Lord for a wonderful marriage, a wonderful man of God. Loves the Lord. Um, and before that, I've, I've never been married, so uh, the question about children may come up. The only thing I can tell you about children is I have a dog, and uh, I treat my little doggie about like a child, and, and so that's the only thing I can relate to, except the fact that I am uh, somebody's daughter and somebody's sister, so I can relate in that way. I laugh all the time, and I tell people, I say, look, here's the deal. You might laugh about the way that I treat my dog, but here's the thing. I said, I think they might be better than kids. I said, because... I can put him on the back porch and nobody calls defects on me when he's getting on my nerves. And so I, um, I do have nieces and nephews that I love dearly and uh, close to my family. Just recently we moved. We lived in Athens, Georgia. Uh, for, uh, for, I did for almost 20 years. And then we've just recently moved back to my, where my family lives, where I grew up in a place kind of close to a little south of Atlanta in a little place called Zebulon, Georgia. If you're looking for it, you'll never find it. Just kind of like the way I passed this place tonight. I was riding down the road and my GPS says, you have arrived. And all I saw was an RV place. I said, well, help us. I don't know what in the world, unless they're meeting out there somewhere. And so I called, I called, and your bishop told me, he said, um, you're not lost, are you? Tell me you're not lost. I said, well, I didn't want to say absolutely I am, uh, but I said, well, I don't think I am, but I, I was really getting nervous, to be honest with you, but we made it in the nick of time, so I'm thankful. Um, so I just want to say, I'll just kind of give you a few minutes just to kind of ease up with me, but um, I just want you to know more than anything in this world. I love the Lord, and I desire to please the Lord. And everything that the Lord has uh, given me the opportunity to do, I just want to please the Lord. That's the bottom line. And so I um, went to school, but it was not for ministry. I went to school for in the, to work in the medical field. I had no idea that once I graduated and passed my boards um, for, for x-ray, I had no idea that the Lord would take a turn and, and take my path, my life in a completely different path. I had no earthly idea that one day I'd be looking at people's heart and lungs on an x-ray machine. And then before I knew it, the next day I'd be dealing with their heart in a whole different manner. And so I just give the Lord praise for what he's doing and the opportunities that he's opened up in my life. Uh, I do thank the Lord for a wonderful heritage. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. A wonderful mother and father, grandparents. But I can tell you that it doesn't matter if you came from uh, the most godless people in the world. If you'll just turn your heart to Jesus Christ. He wants to use you and do miraculous things in your lives. And so I just, I'm just thankful to the Lord for who he is. Amen. So let's look. At Luke 16, you kind of have a quick overview of who I am. Now, let's see what God's got for us in the Word of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that worship that just plows the ground for us to deliver the Word, amen, and for much fruit to come forth in Jesus' name? That's what we're believing for today. So Luke chapter 16, it may seem odd that you would have someone step up for the first time in this pulpit and begin to preach about hell. Amen. Don't stress. Amen. Don't stress. I believe the Lord wants to show us some things about hell that I pray will forever impact our lives. 
Amen. Forever impact our lives. So let's see what the word of the Lord teaches us. Luke 16, beginning in verse 19. And it says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of swords and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Just so you know, that's really speaking of, most of you probably know this, but that's really speaking of, of heaven in today's time. So just so you'll understand what's being said there. Verse 24 says, And he cried, and he said, the rich man did, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither Can they pass to us that would come from thence? Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. Amen. That's powerful, isn't it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's just ask the Lord to have his way in the remaining part of this service. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you so much for these men and women who've made a decision to step outside of their busy lives and to make a decision to come to this house because they're hungry for you. I thank you, Lord, that we can come, Lord, just because we know we should. But then it goes a step further that we come because we want to hear from you. And so, Lord, I ask you to have your way in this place tonight. I ask you to move through me. Help me, Lord. I just want to be your mouthpiece. Let me share your heart with these people. You know who's here. You know exactly what they need, Lord. And so I'm asking you just to have your way in the remaining part of this service. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to receive. And Lord, for everything that's accomplished in this service tonight, tomorrow, Lord, we just declare in advance, we know it's because of you. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody shout out, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So when I begin to look at the scripture here today, uh, the first thing I just want to cover real quickly is uh, a lot of people would ask, is this a parable? Maybe this is just a parable and Jesus is using it to teach us uh, a lesson. But 
I don't believe it is a parable. And the reason that I don't believe that it is, is because actual names were used. And anytime you look at a parable, you see that they're not actual names. But this uh, does call the, the rich man just that never even gives him a name but calls him the rich man but then it begins to describe also a pitiful man by the name of Lazarus let me tell you just a little bit about this Lazarus Uh, when I begin to think about him and the rich man their lives are really parallel only at one point. Other than the point of death, their lives are completely different. The rich man, no doubt he's got friends, people that want to be with him, hang out with him, come to his house. Maybe it's because of his money. Maybe they just like him. I don't know. Uh, but no doubt he's got a, a, a very nice life here on earth. And the poor man, Lazarus, was completely the opposite. He was a sick man. He was a poor beggar man. Nothing it looked like was going for him. He actually had to be laid there at the gate. Uh, It looked like nothing in his life was going right. Uh, But then something happened, and they both died, and that's when their lives come together. But immediately, their lives begin to separate again. And we see there that the the man, Lazarus, went into the place that's Abraham's bosom that we think of today as heaven. But the rich man went to a place called hell. Sometimes people would say, Beth, uh, do we really believe in a place called hell? Well, I'll have to tell you, I won't spend a lot of time with this, but I think it's important uh, to understand it a little bit better uh, because we seldom hear any sermons, any teachings on hell this horrible place of eternity. But I find that Jesus describes it as a furnace of fire, an everlasting, unquenchable fire. The word speaks of it as a place of everlasting punishment. You'll recognize this one maybe, where the worm doth not and the fire is not quenched. And then in the book of Revelation, we see uh, there's a place called the lake of fire. And it says about this place, the lake of fire, Uh, The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and forever in this lake of fire. So you have to understand that to really be able to appreciate what's happening here with Lazarus and the rich man. If you're not careful, if we just uh, uh, think about it as eternity and just blow it off, we think, well, both of them have died. One's in heaven, one's in hell. What's the big deal? Uh, But there's a huge deal going on here. And I want us to look at what happens as the rich man finds himself in a horrible place of eternity called hell. Because I truly believe that there are lessons that we can learn here from this place called hell. It seems like an impossibility. You say, Beth, what could the church learn from hell? What could we get out of a message about the rich man and Lazarus? Well, let me just take you to the first place and this is in verse 24. If you'll keep your Bibles open, I'll just take time and we'll hit several scripture here. But look if you would in verse 24 of chapter 16 and it says, and he cried and he said, 
Father Abraham, speaking of the rich man, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. But what I want you to see is the very beginning where he says, and he cried and he said, and then look if you would in verse 27, it says, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. There's something that I want us to understand here that's happening in hell. Right now, in hell, there are people praying. Right now, in hell, just like we see that rich man, he begins to pray and call on the Lord. And right now, I believe even as I'm preaching this message, there are people that are praying in hell. I believe, and it may be stretching it a little bit, but I believe you'll get the point. I believe there may just be a prayer meeting going on in hell right now. You say, what do you mean? I believe somebody is begging for mercy in hell. I believe right now people are praying and they are crying out for God to move on their behalf. They're hoping for grace. They're in hell right now and they're seeking the Lord. And you say, Beth, what does that have to do with us right here in Oklahoma? I believe that if we could begin to understand what's happening in hell today, that you and I would look around and say, I don't want to wait till I get to hell to have a desire to pray. But right here today, in the month of November, I desire to pray and to seek the Lord. I can tell you today, there are people in hell that says, if I only had one more day, if I only had one more altar call, if I only had one more chance to kneel by my bedside and to call on the name of the Lord, I believe today the church could learn a lesson from hell and that is that God is calling us his people to get back on our knees and begin to call on the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I know people say, Beth, I wish maybe you could get a little deeper than this sermon about prayer. But I can tell you today that one of the most difficult things that you will ever do is get on your knees and seek the Lord. I can promise you, you will find everything else in the world to do. You'll be able to clean out closets that you've never cleaned out before. Amen. You'll be able to get things done that you hadn't got done in the last five years. When the Lord begins to call you to pray, all of a sudden, everything else looks like it's going to be easier to do. Everything else looks like I need to get it done now. I can promise you when you get on your knees to pray, you'll remember that outfit that's been at the dry cleaners for a month and they're about to close and you've got to get there. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you get on your knees to pray, I can tell you that person you've not heard from in the last 30 years is going to call you up on the phone. You say, why does that happen? It happens to me. Why does that happen? I can tell you why it happens. It's because the devil is afraid of praying people. He knows today. Amen. He knows that when you fall on your face and begin to seek the Lord, that incredible things are about to take place. And if the enemy can get 
get you busy elsewhere, if he can get your mind off over here, if he can get you worried about something back over there, if he can get you busy in the cares of life, that's what he's going to do. Because I can tell you a church that's going to have breakthrough is a church that's going to know how to pray through. Amen. Now hear me today, and, and you don't know me well, so you just got to trust that 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 I want the best for us tonight. So if it sounds a little bit hard, I don't mean it that way, and I'll smile every so often. But I just want y'all to know something. It doesn't matter how good of a sermon we have, if it's not birthed in prayer, it's just another sermon. It doesn't matter how much we practice our music, if we don't birth it out of prayer, it's another song. It doesn't matter how many wonderful programs we do, and how many churches down the road are doing it and are successful if it is not birthed out of prayer it's just another program but I can tell you today if we're not careful we'll just we'll just begin to look and see what somebody else is doing and how they're doing it what's going on over there how's that church making it work so good and why are their numbers so big what can we do to make it work like that instead of falling on our knees we'll begin to look around But the Lord today is calling us his people to be a people of intercession, a people that know how to seek the face of the Lord, a people that know how to hear the voice of the Lord today. There's a lesson going on in hell. I believe in all the church world needs to learn it. And it is that lesson of the power of prayer. Amen. The desire to pray. The necessity of prayer. I think about it sometimes, and I know that um, when we begin to pray, uh, it just seems like that all of hell does assail us. But I can promise you, there's a good way to get people to pray. (laughs) And I hope you don't mind if I'm just kind of blunt about it, but there's a great way for any of you pastors, I can tell you how to do it. And the only reason I can tell you how is because I was associate pastor for a good number of years at a church and, and I had to work with the prayer team. We had prayer every Monday night at our church. And I can tell you how to get people there. Have hot dogs and chili. It works. Now I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if there's anything more frustrating, it is that you can't get people out to pray, but if you can eat, they'll come. There's nothing more frustrating to a leader, to a pastor than that. I'm telling you, have a fish fry and the whole neighborhood will come. But I can tell you today, if we only understood like the devil does, if we understood as, as, as really as great as Satan understands the power in prayer, there would be no way that you would hardly be able to get us off our knees to pray from praying. Isn't that the truth? If we could understand the power that's in prayer, like the enemy does, nobody would have to beg us to pray. Nobody would have to plead with us to pray. But I can promise you today, this this denomination is what it is today because of great leadership, yes. But not just that. It's because of the prayers that's been sent up to God over the years and years and years. Those prayer warriors, those women and those men that would get around these altars and seek the face of the Lord. Those ones that would pray in those secret places when nobody was looking and nobody heard them. I can tell you today, if you are not a people of prayer, 
there. It is one of the greatest detriments to a denomination, to a church, to a family. I found there was something, and I know it's kind of shocking and amazing, uh, but for some reason, when I was the associate pastor of the church there in Athens, I had a number of people that would want to come to me uh, for marriage counseling. Now, I know that's weird. I don't want to even call it counseling because it was far from that, but they wanted to talk about their marriage. Keep in mind, I'd never been married. And I thought to myself, what in the world do people want to talk to me about that far? And so I would sit at that desk and I'd try to look like I knew what I was doing. And they would walk into the office and I'll never forget the first time. I'm telling you, it was so Uh, It was so amazing, and it really is just the power of the Holy Spirit. But I remember sitting at that desk, and I had prayed and prayed before they came in, and and I tried to get them to go to the senior pastor, and they just didn't want to. No, we want to talk to you. And and so I prayed. I said, God, you've got to help me. I don't know what to say. I don't know what in the world I'm going to say to these people, so help me. Show me. Show me. Direct me. And I I just had to depend on the Holy Ghost. And I sit at that desk. Here they come in, and, and I got them to sit there in those chairs, you know, and you could tell they were mad when they got there. I thought, Lord, help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. And they were already mad about something. I don't remember what it was. And so I just kind of let them talk a little bit, and and it was getting worse and worse. I said, well, hold on just a minute. I've got a question for you. I said, I just want to ask y'all one thing real quickly. Do y'all pray together? And I can tell you immediately the room went silent. And they said, well, no, no, we don't pray together. I said, do you do devotion together? No, no, we don't do devotion together. I said, well, hold on just a minute. I said, we already know what the problem is. You have forgotten in your household the importance of prayer. Yes, important in our churches. Yes, important in our homes. Yes, important still in the schools. Yes, important in our board meetings. Yes, it's important. I can tell you today when the word of the Lord teaches us to have that spirit of prayer. It wasn't just something that was just slid into the word of the Lord uh, that we can overlook and say, well, maybe Bishop's got it or maybe my pastor's got it. But I can tell you today, the Lord is calling you and I to have that spirit of intercession, that spirit of prayer that says, I don't care what happens today. I'm going to seek the face of the Lord. I'm telling you, I love to study the Bible, but you're talking about hard. It's hard to get on your knees. It's hard to begin to push in. Why? Because every devil in hell is assailing you. Every devil in hell is trying to get you uh, off track and your mind somewhere else uh, because the devil, I want to say it again, is afraid of praying people. What can we learn uh, from this uh, from this place called hell? We can learn the power of prayer. Amen. The necessity to pray while there's still time. I believe if hell can could be resurrected tonight. That's what they would say. Pray while you have a chance. Pray while you have the opportunity. Let me keep on going today. I can tell you this though. It's prayer that's going to save your children. It's prayer that's going to set your family free. It's prayer that's going to bring revival. It's prayer today that is going to give you direction. It is prayer that's going to bring the power that we desire in our services. It is prayer. It all starts with prayer today. Amen. Let me show you something else. The word of the Lord teaches us now from this story. Go back, if you would, to verse 24. So the first lesson from hell is to be a people of prayer. 
But look again at verse 24 and it says, And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. So what in the world, Beth? What can we get out of that scripture? You've already talked about prayer. I want to talk to you now, share with you this thought about hell. And it is the fact that there is a unquenchable thirst in hell. You say, of course there is. Uh, you've already told us how the, the flames were, were just, uh, uh, just tormenting the people. How horrible it would be in hell. How horrible it is. Sure, they want water. But I believe it goes a lot deeper than just natural water. I believe there is a thirst in hell for more than just a drop of natural water. I believe today there is a thirst in hell for God. There is a thirst today in hell for the presence of the Lord. I believe there is a thirst in hell for just one more worship service. There is a thirst in hell for the opportunity to praise Him. There is a thirst in hell to once again walk in that anointing that we have the opportunity to walk in on this earth. There is a thirst in hell for just one more Sunday school class. There is a thirst in hell for just one more camp meeting service. Hell has a desperate thirst. And you say, but Beth, what does that mean for us today? I'm telling you that this, this, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it, where to come across correctly and I don't sound quite so harsh, but this lethargic attitude about the things of the Lord, that doesn't exist in hell. I can promise you, if they could beg God enough for God to show up once again in hell, if they could just somehow convince them to come and to touch their lives one more time, that's exactly what they would be doing. There's nobody down there who's just haphazard about their desire for God. There's nobody out there that's just twiddling their thumbs and saying, well, I might go to church. I might not go to church. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to chill out. No, there's not one that's there. Every one of them in that place says, I desire you, God. Oh, Lord, help me. If I could just have a touch from you one more time. If I could just sense your presence just one more time. If you would just speak to me one more time. If you would just pour out your spirit on me one more time. If I could just lift my hands up and glorify your name and feel the overwhelming presence of the Lord. Oh God, I'd give anything for that. Oh, how does that fit for us today? I believe God's looking for men and women like you and me that won't just haphazardly make our way to church and and do the jobs of the church and the ministry, but instead would say, God, what else can I do? What else do you want me to do? I want to minister. I want to help each other. I want to I wanna go into the highways and the hedges. I want to be used by you, God. I want to glorify your name. Amen. I'll be honest with you. Amen. There's nothing worse for me. Nothing worse. And I don't know if it's like that with all the preachers or not, but there's nothing more frustrating for me to have to be a cheerleader when I go to church. Amen. Sometimes I feel like I need two little pom-poms and go, come on, y'all. Let's do it. woo 
it's so frustrating to me. I think, my word, do you know what happened at Calvary? That's what I want to do sometimes. Do you have you forgotten the blood? Have you somehow forgotten the resurrection? Has somebody forgotten that he's coming again? Amen. I just believe today if we can learn here from hell something right here, it is a thirst that says, Oh God, I do remember the blood and I do remember the death and I do remember the resurrection and I do remember that you're coming again. I worship you, oh God. I glorify your name. I don't know why today our preachers had to get so... Now, I get fired up, period. Amen. I don't care if everybody's jumping up and down and twirling around. I can't help it. I get excited. Just period. Amen. But there is no need for worship leaders to have to say, come on, y'all. Come on. Let's get... Let's go. Come on. Y'all can do it. No. I say, oh God, help me to have such a supernatural thirst that there's nothing on this earth that would keep me held back, but that I will press through into the great things of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be that thirsty woman. Matter of fact, I don't just want to be. I am that thirsty woman. I desire more of him. I desire a greater outpouring. I desire a greater move of the Spirit. I'm thirsty. I am. Amen. I'll admit it. When I look at hell, I believe hell teaches us a lesson. And they said, wow, I'm thirsty. If I could just be at the fall camp meeting. Amen. I I know today that it sounds a little bit, a little bit harsh. But I believe there are backslidden preachers in hell that says, man, if I just had a chance one more time just to feel the presence of the Lord. If I just had the chance one more time to feel the touch of God on my life, you may, uh, you'll, you'll get this, what I'm about to say. When, when you're really thirsty for the things of God, I don't know how y'all are in Oklahoma, amen, but I just fa- I've just about figured out that people are people. Right? And so I've I've just about come to realize that. But here's the thing. If you're really thirsty for the Lord, you don't care. And I don't know what kind of gas stations y'all have around here, but we have BPs at home. Maybe y'all have those here. I don't care if you're at the BP station and somebody needs prayer. If you're thirsty for the Lord, you're just going to reach your hand right across that big pump. Just say, let me pray for you in Jesus' name. Because we know the God of a turnaround. I can tell you when you're in Walmart, when you're thirsty, you don't care who's looking. It's glory. Hallelujah. God's done it again. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you when you're at the Piggly Wiggler or the Kroger or wherever it is that you shop and you're going down that aisle and all of a sudden God begins to speak to you. You don't have to look around and go, well, well. No, when you're really thirsty for the Lord, it's easy for you to say, God, I bless your name. You are great. I can tell you today you can dance in Dillard's when you're really thirsty. I can promise this. You can shout. You can shout out in Sears when you're really thirsty. You don't have to have anybody pull on you and come on let's do it people. But instead we just lift up our voices and our hands to heaven and we say God it's you I want more of. Amen. Amen. Now I can promise you this there's a lot of politically correct churches that would tell you this is over the top. But you talk to somebody in hell today. 
And I can promise you they would give you a different story than what these politically, politically correct ministers are giving you. I'm telling you, it don't cut it. I said it does not cut it. Help us all. I want to say that again. It does not cut it because of what the Lord has done for us. And we're going to sit back and cross our arms. And no offense to you if you got your arms crossed. I do it too. But you get what you get my point. <laughs> well, let me just add your lip poked out. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't work like that. When we begin to think about what the Lord has done for us, my word, and you're going to be bashful and ashamed and hope nobody sees you and hope you don't get a, you don't offend nobody because you're telling the truth of the word of the Lord. My goodness today, we need to learn a lesson from hell. And the fact of the matter is God is looking for us to fall back on our knees. God is looking for a people who will get thirsty for what he has for us us in our lives. Amen. I'll tell you a story real quickly. It comes to my mind and I, I won't keep you, but just a few more minutes, but hold on just a second. I remember when I was, uh, the first house that I've ever, I ever owned. Um, it was just a miracle from the Lord. Here I was a single woman and in full-time ministry. And, and I didn't know, I, I didn't know how that ever worked, but I'm telling you, it was just a blessing from the Lord, just a simple home, but I was so thankful for it. And I worked outside and working outside was really my my way of letting steam off, you know. If people at the church got on my nerves, I'd get those hedge trimmers. And I'd cut those bushes, you know. Anyway, I won't tell you who I was thinking about that head was. Cutting that hair. But anyway, but I can tell you, I love to work outside. And I just enjoy it. I still do. Um, but there's something that we did at the, the house where I lived. We had a, um, it was on a community well and they were having trouble getting the water just right. And so it wasn't the greatest of water initially, but I remember I was outside working. I was by myself and I'm telling you, it was blazing hot. I think like here, the humidity is just horrible in Georgia. It was so hot. And I, I forgive me, I, people call it different things in the South. We call it spigots. Is that what y'all call it? So we call it spigots. And so I, I looked around. I was working around that house. I mean, I was working hard. I was just sweating. It was just terrible. And every once in a while, I'd pass one of those spigots. And I think, man, I, I'm a little OCD. I thought, there's no way I'll ever walk in this house. And I'm so dirty. There was no way I'd go in there and get me something to drink because I wasn't going to dirty up the house. And so I'd, I'd pass that spigot and I'd think, man, I'm so thirsty. I'm just so hot. I'm so thirsty. And I'd pass that spigot again. I'd go around and see another one. And I thought, man, I just wish I could get a little bit of water. Finally, I thought, I don't care who's looking. I don't care if the neighbors are looking. I don't care what people might think. I turned that spigot on. I didn't have a hose. I turned that spigot on. I stuck my, I looked like just country as you could be. I stuck my mouth right down. I let it get all over me. I said, my goodness, that's exactly, I was so thirsty. And you know what I began to think about that? I began to think about that with the things of the Lord. I said, God, that's the kind of thirsty I want. I just want to get so thirsty that I'm not so prim and proper and worry who's sitting beside me and what so-and-so is going to think. But I just say, God, I just got to have you. And I don't want just a little bit, but I want more. I'm going to stick my whole head up under this thing. I want to splash around in you. I want to wade out a little bit deeper. I want to get in water up to my waist. I want to go out a little bit deeper where it's up around my neck. I want to get out just a little bit deeper so that I can begin to swim in the things of the Lord. That's what God is looking for in the hearts and the lives.
his people. My goodness. You say, you're passionate about this. I am, and we all should be. Amen. I'm talking about the Lord. I'm talking about the King of Kings. I'm talking about the great I am. I'm telling you about Jehovah Jireh. I'm telling you about Jehovah Shalom. We ought to be excited. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's keep going. You can tell I'm, I'm, I can sit there for a good while longer, but let's keep moving. See, because when you get thirsty, hell's in trouble. Amen. When you get thirsty, hell is in trouble. When you get thirsty, lives are going to change. When you get thirsty, you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. It's time for the church to get really thirsty for the things of the Lord. Hell's thirsty. Hell wishes they could sit in a service just like this. Let me show you one more thing, two more things. Just take a moment, but it's powerful. Go to verse 27 and 28, if you would. Verse 27 and verse 28. Then he said, this just grabs my heart right here. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. And talking about Lazarus. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He's got five unbelieving brothers. This is powerful to me. And do you see what's happening in hell? There's a burden for the lost in hell. There's a burden for the lost in hell today. And I believe the church can learn a lesson from this. I believe the Lord is showing us how we should pray. How we should begin to thirst after the things of God. But also how we need a fresh burden for the lost. Amen. That's what the Lord is wanting us to see, I believe. Because when I look at that rich man, all of a sudden, he's got a burden for the lost. He wants to see people saved. He wants to see people set free. He wants to see his family delivered. That's what he's thinking about. Now he's not thinking about what else about me. He's realized he's there to stay. But he says, there's a message that comes from him. And I believe today... We could say it's hell's last message to earth. And it is this message. You don't want to come to this place. I look at that rich man in hell. And he says, can I just get a message to my brothers? You don't want to come to this place. I don't know what you need to do. But you don't want to come here. I don't know what changes you're going to have to make. But go ahead and make them. Because you don't want to come to this place. I believe today that the Lord is wanting his church to rise back up with a burden for the lost then again whether we're at the BP station or whether we're at Walmart or whether we're on our job or whether we're at the school or whether we just meet somebody that's coming off the street I believe today the Lord is calling us to have a burden for the lost oh you gotta know you don't wanna go to this place called hell it's not just a figment of our imagination it's not just a story we've heard about in Sunday school but it's a real place of eternity and the Bible teaches us that in the end it's either heaven or hell it's either heaven or hell and the word also teaches us that there will be many that will find their way to a place called hell
hell. But this place called heaven, it says few there will be that will find it. Today you and I have the opportunity. And oh God, I want to take it a step further. We need to have a burden for the lost. Oh, you say, Pat, we don't knock on doors anymore. Well, I can tell you, if hell was resurrected tonight, I can promise you that this entire world would be evangelized by in the morning. They'd be knocking on doors and they'd say, don't come to this place. They'd be calling family up. Don't come to this place. They'd be telling people they'd never seen before. You don't want to go to this place. You don't want to go to this place called hell. I say, oh God, give us the church a burden for the lost. I'm thankful for churches and what the Lord does and how he uses us and how we can encourage one another. I'm thankful for that. Matter of fact, I find that a lot of what the Lord's been using me for lately in the churches is just to help the church be revived. It's just a a burning fire again in the churches. Why? Because we hardly ever see unsaved people in the house of the Lord anymore. We hardly ever see it. But can I remind you just real quickly? Can I remind you? It might have been you one day. You were a little snotty-nosed kid. And your neighbor made a decision in spite of their better judgment to go ahead and ask you to go to Sunday school with them or to ask you to go to VBS. And here you are tonight serving the Lord because somebody had a burden for the lost, because somebody cared about you, because somebody reached out beyond what was comfortable and says, I'm just going to have to ask them to come to the house of the Lord. They need Jesus. Amen. They need the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, when I begin to think about what's happening here with a rich man in hell, he had a burden. He said, can somebody tell my family? Can somebody just please tell my family who's the hardest people for us to witness to? And listen, it's not just you. It's me too. It's us. Our family's the hardest people to witness to. They're the hardest people for us to step out and begin to share the love of God with and begin to just call it out, the truth. And I'm just telling you, can I just clear this up real quick? I'm not talking about banging people over the head and saying you're going to hell. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about in love and compassion and in mercy. As you come to know people and befriend them and the Lord opens up the opportunity for you to tell them about this wonderful great news of the gospel. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget. I'll just give you a personal story. I'll never forget my grandmother. She was uh, probably one of the greatest influences in my life, I guess I would say. Uh, My whole family really, but my, my mother's mother. We called her Mama Hearn. And I'm telling you, Mama lived to be 90 years old. In her, in her right mind, clear, as, a, clear as, as she could be when she died suddenly at the age of 90, just like she had prayed. Let me tell you what she was. She was a prayer warrior. She said, Lord, I want to die in my home. I don't want to die sick. And I want to live to be 90. And she did every one of them. The Lord answered that prayer. I'm telling you, it's, it's kind of helped shape the way I've been praying about my end. Amen. That's what she prayed. I'm telling you, every one of those things come to pass just like that. But I remember, I'd walk in Mama's house. Mama would look at me. And she'd say, Now, Beth, 
She said, how are you doing with the Lord? How's your walk with the Lord? And you know, I'd kind of laugh a little bit. I said, now, mama, you know, I said, you know, she goes, no, I don't know. And I said, you know, I'm preaching. She said, I didn't ask you if you was a preacher. She said, I want to know about your walk with the Lord. Amen. And I'm telling you, she'd sit us all down. Every one of us, all of us grandkids, her kids, she didn't care. She, and, and you know, people say, well, I don't want to run my family off. I can tell you that rich man in hell, he'd, he, if he could come back today, he'd say, I just want to tell you it's worth it to take the risk and to share the good news with your family. It's worth it just to take the risk, to love them. I'm not telling you again, I, I feel like I need to say it again. I'm not talking about beating people over the head and saying you're dying and going to hell if you don't get things right. I mean, you can tell I've heard that a lot of my life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just sharing with them the love of God. I'm talking about reaching out in love and compassion. I'm talking about praying them through those hard places in their lives. I'm talking about believing in them by faith because of the word of the Lord when everybody else has given up. I'm telling you when they're still out there in their sin, instead of you looking and saying it looks like they'll never get right. Instead saying, God, we're calling things that are not as though they were. And I call them a mighty man of God. I call her a mighty woman of faith. I declare, Lord, that the scales are coming off of her eyes and that she will see the truth and be delivered and set free in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hear me today. So many times our prayers consist of Lord just help us and bless us and and, oh God we need this and that and listen don't get me wrong. I know praying is prayer and we're grateful for it but here's the deal. If your prayers never consist of praying for the lost, if your day never consists of telling somebody about Jesus, I believe today there's a lesson that's going on in hell that the church needs to learn today. Lord, give us a burden for the lost again. Amen. Amen. And the last thing I want to show you just briefly, if you want to help me and come to the keyboard, ever how you want to do that. I didn't really discuss how to end it. And I know we've already had prayer, but I believe there's always an opportunity for more prayer. I won't keep you but just a minute. But I want to show you one more thing. And I want you to go over, if you would, to verse 23. And let's look at this. It says in, thank y'all. It says in verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off. And Lazarus in his bosom. You say, what are you, what are you showing us there? He says, he began to look up while he was in hell. And he began to be, look up into heaven while he was in hell. I believe that's going to be one of the torments of hell. You're going to be able to see. You're going to be able to remember. That's it. Let me show you the scripture. How do, how do I know that? I don't want to just talk. I don't want to just give you my idea. I want to show you what the scripture says. Verse 25 says, But Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received good things. One of the torments of hell is that people are going to be able to remember every opportunity they had. But also what's happening in hell is they're able to look up and they're able to see heaven. Can you imagine? The torment of the fire is is beyond my imagination. But to be able to remember and then to be able to see. You say, well, how does that affect us today? Well, I'm just going to tell you. I believe the church has lost its vision of heaven.
We don't talk about it. Oh, no, we don't preach about hell either, but we don't talk about heaven. People say, that's kind of, you've heard this old saying, people have said it now for years, that's pie in the sky. It sure is. Thank God for it. Jesus said, I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. So I just want you to know today I'm excited about the place called heaven. And everything I want to do, everything God's called me to do, I want to do it with heaven on my mind. I want to preach with heaven on my mind. I want to be an usher at the front door with heaven on my mind. I want to take care of the kids in the daycare and the nursery with heaven on my mind. I want to pray with people in this altar with heaven on my mind. You say, what are you talking about? I'm telling you that where we are, it's temporal. But I'm telling you a place that's not built with earthly hands. I'm telling you about a place where the walls are jasper and the streets are gold and the gates are made of pearl. I'm telling you about a place where there's no more crying, where there's no more heartache, where there's no more suffering, where there's no more cancer, where there's no more worry, where there's no more fear. I'm telling you about a place called heaven. And I believe today it's time for the church to remember that this whole world is just a temporal world. But I'm a stranger and I'm a pilgrim just passing through. But I got a place called heaven that's my final destination. And oh God, today help us, the church, to get a view of that place. Amen. Hallelujah. There's an old song that we used to sing and you don't have to play it or nothing. But it says, oh, I want to see him to look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Hallelujah. You say, Beth, we got to deal with what's happening in this earth. I know. But I'm just here to tell you. This earth is just a vapor. It's a blink of an eye. This old place is about gone. So what I want to do today, I want every step in ministry that the Lord calls me to take. I want to say it again. I want to do it with heaven on my mind. I want to do everything in my personal life with my family, with my husband. I want to do it with heaven on my mind. When we get together for Thanksgiving and we all get around that table and we're about to dig into that turkey, I want to do it with heaven on my mind. And I want to say, let me say the blessing today. And I want to begin to tell them about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want to begin to tell them that there's a way. Hallelujah. And Jesus is that way. I want to begin to tell them we are thankful. But if not the Lord, we couldn't have a thing that we have today. It's all the Lord today. Woo! Heaven on my mind. I want to take every opportunity to tell them we're on a path today. And this right here is just temporal. It's going to be gone just like that. We've got a place, an eternal place. It's waiting on us. A place called heaven today. Amen. I want to ask you, when's the last time, youth pastor, that you minister to your young people with heaven on your mind? Pastor, when's the last time you had a deacon's meeting, a board meeting with heaven on your mind? It'll sure change your perspective. Amen. Want it? It'll change your perspective of being an usher at the front door 
when you start thinking about this may be the last time this man or woman may go out into eternity this may be the last time I get to shake this hand let me tell you about Jesus amen let me tell you about heaven praise the Lord I want to ask you if you would to stand on your feet thank you for letting me preach my heart I want to ask you today maybe today the Lord's been dealing with your heart I don't know why but I just feel in my spirit that some of the things that I've said tonight isn't new for you it's just confirmation of something the Lord's been dealing with your heart about I don't know who the Lord's been speaking to in this place today I just, I, I've never felt like this quite like I do right now. I've never said that before. I just feel like the Lord is speaking, and this is only confirmation to somebody in this house. The Lord's already been speaking to your heart. Maybe He's been convicting your spirit. The power of the Holy Ghost has been just, that conviction's been coming to your heart. I don't know who you are. I don't have a face. I don't have a name. But I feel that in the, through the power of the Spirit. The Lord's speaking to somebody here. And it may be that it's you. And you say, Beth, I have a title. I don't have time to preach another sermon, but let me just go ahead and tell you. Nehemiah laid that title down to the king's cupbearer to go and do what God had called him to do. I'm not asking you about your title. As my grandmother said, I ain't asking you. I don't, I'm not asking you if you're a Sunday school teacher. I want to know about your heart. I'm not asking you what you do. I'm not asking you what people think about you in this conference. I'm not asking you what kind of, maybe what your reputation is here. We're laying it all out on the line today. The Lord's been speaking to some of our hearts. Somebody here, the Lord's been speaking to you specifically. I want to ask you to bow your heads, would you please? And close your eyes in this place. You say, Beth? I'm going to give a chance for salvation in just a moment, but I just feel like first we need to deal with this. You say, Beth, some of the things you said is exactly what God's been dealing with me about. I just think we need to just get right down to the nitty-gritty right here. You say, Beth, I feel that conviction. I want you to know it's not me convicting your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. That's His job. He convicts and He convinces. You say, Beth, there's some things that you've preached about tonight that the Lord's been dealing with me about. And I just want to get those things right. It's not that I don't love God. It's not that I'm not a Christian. It's not that I'm not walking in His way. But there's some things that's just not quite right with me in my walk with the Lord. If that's you, would you slip your hand up as high as you can right now? And you'd say, Beth, that's me. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank the Lord for you. You can lift it up and put it right back down. Thank the Lord for you. I know it's a bold move, and I'm not going to embarrass you or make you feel awkward or out of place. I'm not going to do it. But I believe there's a time sometimes that we just have to be honest about it and say, the Lord's been dealing with me about some of these things. Maybe it's your prayer life, and the Lord has called you over and over again. He's wooed you over and over again, but you keep finding yourself too busy. You keep finding yourself too involved in ministry to spend time in the face of the Lord. I don't know who you are today, but the Lord's speaking to you. You say, Beth, we've got great ministry at our church. But we've lost our vision for the lost. We've lost our compassion for the lost. I don't know what it is that the Lord's speaking to you, but you know anybody else today that you want to slip your head up and say, pray for me, Beth. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I see your hands. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I believe the Lord is moving in this place. 
I'm going to ask you on the count of three from the front to the back. I know that sounds old-fashioned, but I just feel like this is a great time to come and, and kneel in this altar. It's carpeted. It's going to be comfortable for you. I want to ask you on the count of three, if you say, Beth, the Lord's dealing with me about something in this sermon. And I don't feel like I can leave out of these doors until I spend some time with the Lord. If that's you today, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to come. One, two, three. Simple as that. Come on right now. Would you do it?